Hi, I'm Christine Anderson, a librarian who loves reading everything from classics to modern thrillers. And I'm Josie Thames, a professional nice person and scheduler who primarily reads from gigantic backlists of fantasy novels and romantic comedies. We love talking about books and book culture so much, we founded the Fox and Heron Literary Society. Welcome to Off Subject with Fox and Heron. Hello, readers, and welcome to episode number 12. We are very excited to be planning our spring slash summer salon. And so this is going to be a very special episode for us. But before we dive in, Josie, how was your week? It was good. I say that as a blanket statement every week. It was a little <laughs> bit of a roller coaster for me. Um, I was sick for the end of last week. I'm pretty sure I had strep throat got some congestion and a little bit of a head cold so if my voice sounds weird at some point that's why because I am medicated but on the whole I feel better now I am better and I got a call earlier in the week asking me to be a nail in our community theater's new production of Steel Magnolias I didn't I even so have to audition excited. I was so excited when you told me I love 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 Steel Magnolias so this is going to be great I'm, I'm very excited. I told the director, Lee Pageant, I told him, I was like, okay, well, it's kind of short notice. So let me think about it. I'll call you tomorrow. Uh, that was at eight o'clock at night. By 10 o'clock, I'd already texted him and said, yeah, of course. <laughs> I would be honored. How do you, I mean, like you can't say no. Right. Well, that's what Richie said. Um, well, because I had Lee on speakerphone in the car. I was on my way to go buy a new curling iron. Um, which was the down part of my roller coaster week. One of the down parts is that my curl and iron broke and I was trying to find a new one. I ended up having to buy one on Amazon. It was a nightmare. So he calls, I've got him on speaker and he's like, how are you? Um, we're getting ready to do steel magnolias and I want you to play a nail. And I was like, I like almost stopped the car in the middle of the road. <laughs> and Richie's face, he was like, steel magnolias. Like right out loud where Lee could hear him. Because he knows and, what's up. So I asked a bunch of questions. I found out who else was in the cast. And I was really excited about that because it is a, oh, wow. It is a fantastic, dare I say, prestige Georgetown cast. I am so excited. People I have not had the chance to work with on stage. I've worked with some backstage, but not on stage. And or I've seen them and things. So I'm super excited. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, so as soon as I got off the phone with Lee telling him to let me think about it because it's two shows back to back Richie's like Josie is Steel Magnolias you you can't say no to Steel Magnolias and he's right you can't you when that opportunity comes to call you have to answer you have and the answer has to be yes so so yeah I'm very very excited to be Anel and for those of you who do not remember who Anel is that is the Daryl Hannah character in Steel Magnolias, she um, is Dolly Parton's assistant in the hair salon. And she gets a lot of fun, but sometimes poignant things to say during the course of the show. So I'm very excited. Quirky characters are becoming my thing and I like it. <laughs> I like it too. Yes. How was your week? What'd you do this week? My week was very good. Not a lot of exciting outside news like you have, but... <laughs> Uh, just at work, we're getting ready to gear up for summer orientations where all our new students come and tour the campus for the first time. And so I get to order all, all the fun things like logoed straws and sunglasses and things of that nature. So we have a Planko board that they can play Planko at our table and win a prize. 
oh man I love Plinko <laughs> so that's why that's kind of been taking up my whole everything at work is preparing for orientations and then as soon as those are over we dive right into prepping for the first week of school so Ooh. it's you know summer is a downtime but in the same time it's very busy for me so mm -hmm. I, but I enjoy it this is this is the fun stuff I'm so glad orientations are face to face again and that we're not stuck just virtual like last year very excited to be having students back on campus it's going to be mm -hmm. good and it's going to be good and then yeah. we get to tour colleges this summer with Ethan so he can try to decide where he's going to go to school. And that's been very emotional. That's been yeah. my roller coaster I'm on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Facebook memories does not help oh, because they like to throw out those cute, sweet little baby cheeks. And then suddenly I'm crying because where did my babies go? That's right. I know. I was looking at the one you shared the other day about corn and his kindergarten graduation and Mr. Friendly, I'm like, yeah, yes, that's right, that's right, that tracks. That's oh, so sweet, it and his little so legs sticking out from underneath the gown because he's in shorts. I'm like, oh my god, just want to pick him up and kiss him. He's so cute. He was so stinking cute. Oh my gosh, and so sweet. Yeah. Okay, so. We are a week away, less than a week away really because today is Sunday and our salon is on Saturday and when you listen to this it'll be Thursday so our salon is two days away oh god I'm so, oh gosh I'm so nervous I'm breaking out the hives already we're less than a week away from our spring salon in which we are highlighting local authors Christy you had the idea to talk a bit this week about salons what salon what a salon is specifically how it differs from book clubs and things like that because it really is different what we do is different from what a book club um and we thought we'd give you our sweet listeners a preview of our authors so christine why don't you start us off what what is a literary salon or a salon in general not the place where you get your haircut okay so i went to our little website fact page because <laughs> i feel like i couldn't make it any more concise than what we've laid it out to be there yeah so what I'm going to do is just share with you guys what we have there and then talk a little bit about that rules about what exactly makes a literary salon. Art and popular culture defines salons as a gathering partly to amuse one another and partly to refine their taste and increase their knowledge through conversation and readings. And that's pretty much what we're doing. In a lot of ways, it's similar to a book club, but instead of having one defined book that we all read and then get together and talk about that one book, the conversation can encompass so much more. The mm -hmm. We can talk about, for our Christmas salon, we discussed the ghosts of Christmas, Southern Christmas's past. So we talked a lot about our Christmas traditions, which everybody has, whether it was in the South or not, how books portray Christmas traditions, how did books play a role in our Christmas traditions. I mean, it was such a broad topic. Everybody could bring something to the table, whether they were big readers or not. And that's something else, you know, nobody has to be a giant reader and have read this vast catalog of books to come and participate. Bring your questions, bring what you've read in the past. All of that experience counts. You don't have a homework assignment you have to complete to participate. You can come and just have fun and jump in the conversation. Well, number one, I feel like you and I amuse one another to a high extent, no matter. So that part of the plot is covered. We, we amuse 
and entertain one another greatly. <laughs> and we just like letting people in that, in that little bubble for just a little while. We find each other highly entertaining. And yeah, too, I think if you're just interested, especially with this salon, that well, these past two salons that we've done, we have really focused on Southern traditions and Southern authors, which is a hallmark of our whole thing. We believe in Southern culture and Southern reading and Southern literature. Um, but yeah, I think if you just have an interest in Georgetown and the county, in Georgetown County, in our shared culture as Georgetonians, I think this would be a wonderful thing to participate in. I just ended a sentence in a preposition. I'll learn to live with myself. I think this salon in particular is very good for people who, if, even if they're not big readers, like you and I are big readers, everybody has a shared history that lives here in Georgetown. You can find out about the people who live and work here, you know, are, who are invested in the cultural conversation. And Mr. Dorr and Mr. Baldwin are definitely two people who are invested in the culture of Georgetown. Right. Yeah. In different ways. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, while you and I are both, we would consider ourselves big readers. However, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily like to read all the same things. No. So it doesn't mm -hmm. hold us back. We can discuss a certain topic or a theme and both of us are going to be bringing completely different books to the conversation. Yeah. You know, there's some things, times we overlap, but for the most part, we read pretty differently in a lot of areas. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. I think that our, adds to our relationship and to our friendship. Yes. It does. Because like you said, we bring, we bring different things to the table. Right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the salon itself, our actual real salon that we're going to have. It's going to be this Saturday, June 12th at Sandra Quinn's house. You can find the address on our Facebook page, on our website. It starts at 5 p.m. If you need directions, you can email us. If you know us personally, you can text us. So, um, and now Sandra is the owner of Waterfront Books, um, our local independent bookstore. She um, has graciously offered her lovely home in historic downtown Georgetown to allow us to host these authors and our wonderful listeners to find out more about low country authors. And speaking of our authors, we have Bill Dorr and William Baldwin. Mr. Dorr, he's a Georgetown native. He graduated from Winyaw High School in 1953, the University of South Carolina in 1957, and the University of South Carolina School of Law in 1959. After serving three years in the U.S. Air Force, he returned to Georgetown, where he's been practicing law since 1962. He has since retired in 2016. He also served Georgetown County in the South Carolina House of Representatives and the State Senate for 22 years, though he did not seek re-election in 1988 government service. He uh, joined the McNair Law Firm. He is married to Miss Terry Dorr, and they have three daughters and seven grandchildren. He is also the author of The Magic of Pauly's Island, Roofs Over My Head, A Brief History of Georgetown, and most recently, Letters from Iwo Jima, which are um, collected letters from his father when he fought in World War II. For those of you who don't know, Winyaw High School is the old high school for Georgetown County. They're, um, but 
in the 80s, in the early 80s, it burned down and they built Georgetown High School. They consolidated Winyaw and Howard. And it was where, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Christy, because you went to Georgetown High School and I didn't. Uh, so it consolidated Georgetown and Howard, but kids from the Waccamaw area, like Polly's Island went to Georgetown High School for two while until they built Waccamaw High School, right? Right. And that's totally off topic because it has nothing to do with Winyaw High School at all. <laughs> Winyaw High School is on High Market Street and is now the site of the Winyaw Auditorium and the Georgetown School of the Arts and Sciences, which we both hold dear to our hearts. When you hear us talk about Winyaw High School, that's where Mr. Doerr graduated And most of our parents would have graduated from, if you live in Georgetown, like Richie's parents went both graduated from Winyaw in 64. And our second author of the evening will be William Baldwin. William is a poet and retired shrimper who grew up in McClellanville, South Carolina, a town known for its shrimping docks and rich fishing traditions and some of the best fresh seafood you will ever, ever have. His grandfather, Rut Leland, was a boat captain, and as a teenager, William worked the fuel docks, and by the age of 21, he was running the shrimp dock. He attended Clemson University and finished a master's thesis on Dada artists before returning to McClellanville to work on various shrimp boats. Though he stopped shrimping years ago, William continues to draw from experiences of the docks and open water and the people he worked alongside as an inspiration for his poetry. And he has written a lot of books and been editor on a lot of books. He's written several novels, well, more than several, Hard to Catch Mercy, Charlestown, the novel, Inland Passages, The Making of Low Country Life. And then he's also done a lot of history writing. So he's got a lot of books out there that he's edited and worked on, like Ornamental Ironwork of Charleston, Masterpieces of the Old South, Lost Architecture, and other such works like Carolina Plantations. So mm-hmm. he's he's worked on a lot of those local Southern history books as well. And very interesting all the way around, like poetry, history, novels, prose, you know, just so much. Yeah. I think like they're both like so in love with and invested in our area, both yes. Mr. Dory and Mr. Baldwin, you know, so it's going to be a very, very interesting conversation on Saturday night. So I'm excited. I'm super excited too. I can't wait to fall in love with the low country all over again because I feel like that's what's going to happen. So tell us fellow readers, what are your thoughts on salons, book clubs, and other book discussion groups? Do you have interest in local history, local authors, are reading books by local authors? Would you like to join us at the Fox and Heron Literary Society? You can stop by our salon on Saturday at five o'clock just swing in, even if you haven't pre-registered. The only reason we want people to pre-register is just to give us kind of a rough idea of how many to expect. So even if you haven't had time to register, you can always just stop by. You can stay a little while, you can stay the whole time. We will leave it up to you. It's casual. Now it's time for a segment we like to call Book Report, where Christy and I talk about either a book we've just finished or a book we are currently reading. Christy, why don't you start us off? Okay, so this week I spent some time preparing for the salon. I wanted to make sure that the books were fresh in my mind. The first one I read was A Murder in Georgetown by Bill Doerr. And his synopsis of the story goes like this. 
On the night of Monday, April 30th, 1951, Malis Crib Coker was murdered as she walked toward her apartment along Scriven Street in the historic district of the city of Georgetown. The murder occurred in the same city block as the old county jail, Prince George Winyall Episcopal Church, and only a stone's throw away from the duplex where she lived. The murder was probably the most sensational crime ever committed in Georgetown, not only because of the brutality of it, but because of the time in which it was committed. And I've told Josie before, this is something, an event that I remember my grandmother talking about how Pollyanna type view of the world for, for the whole town talks about that in the book about how it really shook the town and it had such a profound effect on them in a way that I don't think we can understand today just because you know we grew up with the news and horrible things we grew up on unsolved mysteries and <laughs> yeah yeah 911 unsolved mysteries in America's most wanted that was that was weekend in the, in the 80s and the 90s we're hardened we are generation <laughs> x is very desensitized and hardened to a lot of things so oh, yeah wow. this is a great local history true crime crime story and he's very to the point he doesn't add fluff to it which I appreciate very much and doesn't spend a lot of time speculating about what he doesn't know happened like he gives you the facts and I like that we would have gotten something very bulky and we would have gotten family histories now I wouldn't have I really wouldn't have minded getting a family history on the parties involved as I was reading I was thinking wow in the hands of someone else we would have heard about all the attorneys' backgrounds and where they came from and how they approached the law. And we would have heard about the detectives, the police officers involved in their families. And it would have been so bloated, so bloated. Yeah, we but didn't need all of that. Um, right, exactly, exactly. The true crime story I read, the book I read earlier this year, it got bogged down in that. A mm -hmm. lot of times it was giving you verbatim the the notes from the interview room with the cops and I yeah. didn't need all that you don't need that yeah. so I I have a lot of questions mm -hmm. both about the case itself and other about Georgetown like how many sheriff carters have we had right and crib <laughs> we had crib and carter <laughs> I thought yeah. dear goodness how many sheriff cribs have we had are they right. all part of the same crib family and was or were they related to Miss Maylis, the victim? Yeah, who passed? They had to be. It's Georgetown. It's Georgetown in their cribs. Oh, which makes me wonder. I wonder if she was related to. Oh, I'm gonna have to ask when I see Morgan because I'm sure yes. I'll see Morgan when she when Catherine comes home for a week. But yeah, yes. it it was very interesting to read a murder in Georgetown and see last names that you recognize. Yeah, Coker, Crib, um, Ruerton, things Rimes. like that. Yeah. yeah. Grimes. Yes. Rosen. Very Georgetown names. Yep. That was the first one I read this week. And now I am still, I'm about a third or quarter of the way into the Fennel Family Papers by William Baldwin. And this was a very pleasant surprise for me because it is Southern Gothic. And you know, I love me a Southern Gothic, Gothic novel. <laughs> I guess the easiest, most succinct way to say this is that hoping to obtain 
tenure by writing The History of a Decadent Southern Family, Professor Paul Danvers gets more than he bargained for when he becomes involved with the eccentric Fennel family. And the Fennel family has a long Southern history and have been involved in all the wars. And, you know, the Southern pride that comes along with that. And it's one of those families that want to know, who are you? And they're not asking who you particularly are they want to know who your family is where do you come mm-hmm. from who's your family yeah. <laughs> i don't recognize you buried that's what they really yeah. want. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of dark humor and cre- just general southern creepiness that love that you expect love to that. find in a big old southern house yeah <laughs> and i can't it, wait to read that <laughs> i have a lot of questions about his inspiration for this because it talks a lot about the Fennel family had a patent from the king to begin and run this lighthouse and I'm wondering is, are you basing this around the lighthouse out in McClellanville are any of these other things inspired by true event I just need to know basically we're just going to sit in front of him with our hands on our knees and be like we need to know everything about this family <laughs> tell me everything about this story so how about you what have you been up to reading I'm happy to report I am out of my book slump. I finished a book in a week and that is super quick for me. Finished Meg and Joe by Virginia Cantra. It is a contemporary retelling of Little Women and it just went straight to my heart. This time the girls are living in, they're not in Concord, Massachusetts. They are in Bunyan, North Carolina, which of course went right straight to my heart again because I love things set in the South. And so sisters now set in the South. And um, Meg is, um, she used to work at a bank. Super reliable. Meg used to work at a bank. Her sister, Joe is living in New York, but instead of um, her, so her failed journalism career has turned her into a food blogger. She's learning how to cook in this restaurant while she is an actual food blogger. So we're in this, in this story, we're only getting Meg and Joe's story. We see glimpses of Amy and glimpses of Beth. And I really liked it. Oh, I really liked it. I flew through it. Um, I just, every time I was not reading the book, I was thinking about, I really want to be reading that book. And as soon as I finished it, I picked up Beth and Amy and started reading that. Wait, when was it? Well, it was this weekend. So I finished it this weekend and then I started the sequel this weekend. And it seems to be, you know, I think she she must have written them right together because it just kind of, anyway, I really loved it. It was very well written. It was written not at all in the style of Little Women, not at all in the style. It felt contemporary. But of course, that was the beauty of Little Women. When you read Little Women, they felt like girls that you knew. And these girls, they felt like women that we knew that we would know I felt like I was Meg I mean like it really there were times I was crying because Meg was so overwhelmed with her sick mother and her children and she did not want to ask her husband or her sisters or anybody for help and I would just sit there in my recliner in my favorite reading spot tears streaming down my face and Richie's like are you okay and I was like I'm fine but I love you so much. And I know you just want to help me. When I finished the book, I looked at him and I said, sometimes I feel like I dreamed you up from my favorite literary and pop culture characters. Cause I used to tell him all the time, you know, I, you are my Han Solo. Cause you're, oh. he's, and 
sarcastic and funny and brave but at the same time he's John Brooke who just wants to give his family a good life and do everything he can and I think he's like this wonderful mashup of two people and two of my favorite literary I will call Han Solo a literary character because there are books <laughs> written after the movie so there I, <laughs> I dreamed him up for my favorite literary character that's that's me the two books are they happening at the same time or does amy pick up after beth and amy pick up picks up three years after meg and joe concludes okay it, it doesn't when it picks up it fills you in immediately even though it's telling amy's story because we start out with amy i know that crushes you but we start out with amy she immediately amy immediately tells us in her way what's been going on three years later you know well what happened kind of in the three years since we last saw Meg and Joe so so you're not you're not left wondering what happens at all okay immediately resolves that cliffhanger which is not a cliffhanger (laughs) at all by the way I will say about Meg and Joe that really surprised me was good giving man um the author had a different way to approach Mr. March and his constant absences. And I like that. I like that she didn't stick to it. She really tried to bring everybody into the modern age. She didn't try to make Mr. March 1865 Mr. March because he's a different person now. We're all different people. So, So I would highly recommend it. I loved it. And that's it for us this week. Don't forget to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform. It helps other listeners find us. And we want other listeners to find us. You can get involved in the bookish conversation by following us on Instagram at Fox and Heron Books. On Facebook, we are the Fox and Heron Literary Society. And our Twitter handle is Fox Heron. You can also visit our website, foxandheronbooks.wix.com slash salons. You can find all the books that we talk about in the show notes on our website. And you can purchase books from our bookshop.org account, which benefits independent bookstores. We have a link on our website. So thanks for listening to Off Subject with Fox and Heron. We hope to see you on Saturday at the salon. And until next week, goodbye. And happy reading. I'm glad people can't see us. Me too. <laughs>